What does an Orlando Magic team on the precipice of making the NBA playoffs look like? Kind of looks like the team we have now. We'll dive into some history and what it says about the current Magic team on today's episode of Locked On Magic. You are Locked On Magic, your daily Orlando Magic podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And you are indeed locked on magic. Today is July 31st, 2023. My name is Philip Rossreich. I'm the expert and site editor over at orlandomagicdaily.com. You can follow me on Twitter at philiprr underscore omd. On today's episode of Locked On Magic, what an Orlando Magic team on the precipice of a long playoff run looks like and why all those elements are present for the 2024 Orlando Magic. We'll get into some magic history today on the show. But before we do that, we want to thank you again for making Lockdown Magic part of your day every day, no matter when you listen to us, whether it's first in the morning, whether it's right when we upload, we truly appreciate you making Lockdown Magic part of your day every day. Remember this great Lockdown podcast covering every single team in the NBA to search for Lockdown and the team you're looking for, the Lockdown Podcast Network. It's your team every day. The Orlando Magic have had three sustained postseason runs in their history. Um, they've had four runs of, of more than two years, but when we look at Magic history, and no offense to our beloved Nikola Vucevic teams, um, when we look at Magic history, we've really, there are really five eras of Magic history at this point, or six eras, I guess. The expansion era, the Shaq era, the T-Mac era, the Dwight era, the rebuild, and now the Paolo Bancaro era. Six eras of Magic basketball. And three of them have produced sustained postseason runs. Runs of multiple playoffs, runs of at least two runs of, of multiple deep playoff runs. And so we have a bit of history to understand, at least for the Magic, what makes a successful team or, or what makes a team that's about to hit big. What are the elements that are present for this to happen? This is... This is part of the story. This is part of kind of the, the, the process that a team like the Magic is going through. And so I think it's important, A, to understand where, where the Magic are currently as a, as a franchise, as an organization, and what potentially lies ahead. Um, you know, we, we go through this historical study. We go through what the history says. Um uh, to kind of give us a clue of what's going to happen. Now, obviously, it still has to be about the work. You know, it, 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 none of this stuff matters if the players don't put in the work. It, nothing is guaranteed, and everything's a little bit different. You know, as much as Dwight and Shaq had very similar trajectories, it was all different. So, fortunately, we have three. So, we have three segments to get through. And so, I want to go through each of these teams kind of in turn. So, let's start with the Shaq era magic. The line of magic under, with Shaquille O'Neal. They had a playoff run from 1994 to 1996. I, I guess we could say 1997 uh, with Penny Hardaway. Uh, made the playoffs again in 99, uh, which we forget that season ever happened, um, unless you're the Spurs. Um, the Magic had essentially a, a three, four-year playoff run 
with one final strip and one Eastern Conference Finals. But obviously that run started with that 1992-93 season. Shaq's rookie year. And that season was special because it was Shaq. It was the Magic's first time being competitive. Shaq changed everything about this team. You know, you don't need you don't need me to tell you about that. If you've watched this Magic moment, if you lived it as an Orlando Magic fan, you know how critical Shaq is to everything about this franchise. It's why after they retire number 25 for Nick Anderson, number 32 should be hanging in the rafters. Um, if the Magic want to do something really special for this 35th anniversary season, getting Nick Anderson up in the rafters would be it. They want to do something really, really special, getting 25 and 32, as well as probably one and the second number one up in short order um, is an absolute necessity. This Magic franchise does not exist without Shaq in, in the way that we see it now. The, the Magic may not even be in Orlando anymore without Shaq, um, considering some of the struggles that this franchise went through in, in the late 90s, early 2000s. Um, Shaq was truly a transformative player. Um, and... and he got the Magic to 41 and 41 just, just by his presence in the 1993 season. He changed the whole orientation of this team, brought players into the right roles. Um, everything changed because of Shaquille O'Neal. And, and, and of course, the Magic missed the playoffs in the 1993 season with that 41 and 41 record, but only on the fourth tiebreaker. It was really tight. It was really close. Um, a fourth tiebreaker um, you know, out uh, on the playoffs. Like that is, that's a pretty big deal. That's a pretty big thing. So of course, uh, you have that happen and you win the lottery the next year. Again, you somehow win the lottery with just one ping pong ball in the hopper. You get Anthony Hardaway. You're in the finals within two seasons. I, I, I want to make that point too, that that getting to the cha- getting to the finals, becoming a championship team, it happens really quickly. But first, you got to get into the playoffs. And that Magic team with Shaquille O'Neal obviously got into the playoffs. Now, there's a lot of similarities here between what happened with the Magic in 1993 as well as what happened with the Magic before the 2000, uh, in the 2006 season before the Magic made their playoff run with Dwight Howard. If there's one element that binds all these teams together, it's how much the number one pick changes your franchise. How much having a rookie, how much having a young player on the cusp of superstardom is like a prerequisite to a potential, you know, potential long playoff run. And so if we're looking for what are the elements that create a playoff team or sustained playoff team, that first element is obviously the star player being put in place. Once that star player is in place, Everything else just starts to make sense. This is the thing the Magic struggled with most after Dwight Howard departed. And, and you know, all credit to Nikola Vucevic. Um, you know, once the Magic put their full force behind him, you know, he was a limited star. But even, like, embracing him as a team star brought the Magic to the playoffs and got them back-to-back playoff berths. Um, even though Vucevic only had uh, one all-star season during that playoff run. He was an all-star again in 2021 um, when the team was at the bottom of the standings. It is essential that you have a star. And, and so what Paolo Bencaro was able to do his rookie year, you know, not just being the runaway winner for rookie of the year, that's nice. 
but putting up statistics that that place him among the class of like elite superstar players. All that stuff is really, really important. That is a sure sign that the Magic are on the right track, that the Magic are doing the right things, that the Magic do have someone that can anchor their team to not just make the playoffs, but get there repeatedly over and over and over again. We're going to talk in the next segment about the 2000 Magic to Heart and Hustle team, but let's be real. Tracy McGrady was the anchor for the playoff teams in 2001, 2002, 2003. The star, you go as far as your star takes you. You obviously need a little bit more than that to win in the playoffs, but a star really changes everything. And we're sitting here today talking about this Orlando Magic team, talking about the potential of making playoffs because we believe the Magic have a star, a true star in Paolo Bencaro, someone that can guide this team and push it forward to get to the playoffs, to get to the playoffs and well beyond. If there is an element that is clear as day, is A, that Shaq is just a really, really special player, a once-in-a-generation player that you know shouldn't be subject to polls um, at any point in his career, but... Um, having truly unique star players really changes everything. And that is the first element a team needs for a long playoff run. What do we learn, though, from the heart and hustle team that set up the Tracy McGrady era? Well, we'll get to that coming up here in just a moment. But first, it's time for a quick word from our friends over at FanDuel. Take your first swing at betting MLB on FanDuel and get 10 times your first bet amount in bonus bets up to $200. That's right. Just bet 20 bucks and you'll land $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. That's 200. You can spend betting everything from the money line to the over under to who you think is going to hit the first home run. All on an app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Plus, when you win, you can get paid instantly. There's no better place to bet on MLB than FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. So sign up today. And visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to get up to $200 in bonus bets. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. FanDuel, official partner of Major League Baseball. We want to thank you again for making LockedOn Magic part of your day every day. We are in our off-season schedule this week, so um, I, I'm probably still going to post an episode on Tuesday, but guaranteed to have episodes probably Monday, Wednesday, Friday um, for the time being. For the time being, uh, I am planning. I am planning right now an episode on Tuesday because I'm planning to stay up for the uh, for the U.S. soccer game. So I need something to kind of keep me busy while I'm doing that. Um, but we want to thank you for sticking with Locked On Magic throughout the off-season. We'll be back up and running five days a week, guaranteed or almost guaranteed. Uh, once. The season gets going uh, at the end of September and, and early uh, and early October. We'll talk World Cup plenty of time, plenty uh, as we get into the World Cup schedule later on this month. But what can we learn then from the Heart and Hustle team? The Tracy McGrady era was one of somewhat bitter disappointment um, because the match just didn't take advantage of one of the truly gifted players, a Hall of Fame player, in Tracy McGrady. Uh, injuries were a big factor with that. Uh, in Grant Hill, and obviously, it's hard to draw a, a straight line between 
that special heart and hustle season of 2000 with the Teresa McGrady era because the heart and hustle team in 2000 was essentially built to be deconstructed. It was built to give the magic maximum cap room. It was built, frankly, to lose. Everyone knew it except the team, except the players in that locker room. And, and look, they gave us a truly special season. No one would ever take back that 2000 season. It was a fun season. It is exactly what we what we aspire every Magic team to be. If, if you know, no offense to that team, if they had a little bit more talent, um, we would be, you know, that team would, would be would be very, very different. We talked about a very, very different team. Um, and 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 if, if a team plays with the effort energy that those guys played with with more talent, that's a special group. That's a special team. Um, to some extent, though, I don't think the idea of heart and hustle, the idea of that team completely disappeared after that season. ended. I don't think that team completely disbanded or broke up. Uh, there are remnants of that team left when Tracy McGrady and Grant Hill arrived. There was still Daryl Armstrong. There was still Bo Outlaw, the heart and hustle part of the heart and hustle. There was still, you know, um, there was still Pat Garrity. There was still several Andrew DeClark, if we want to include him. There was still Doc Rivers. And so while the team never quite got the pluckiness, the plucky underdoggedness of those early teams, this team still put a lot of pieces together. This team still had that it factor, or, or, or this team still had that idea of who it could be. Um, and, you know, Doc Rivers took a lot of what he learned. He still talks very highly of that heart and hustle team. Took a lot of what he learned to his other teams, whether it was the LA Clippers, whether it was the Boston Celtics with the Ubuntu in, in 2008. Heart and hustle may have dissipated, but the remnant still remained. Um, that, that that was redundant, but you get what I'm saying. Yeah, I hope you understand what I'm saying. The Magic tried to be hard and hustle with a star. And look, they needed more talent. They needed health. They needed smarter management and smarter per- and smarter personnel decisions um, to, to meet success. McGrady was individually brilliant. Uh, and, and the Magic obviously fell off a cliff once Daryl and Bo were gone. So the, the heart of that team was literally ripped out. And in 2004, they hit rock bottom because they just changed too much. And so I think the lesson that I take from that team is how important culture is to a team's ultimate success. Um, you know, yes, throwing in a shack changes everything. Throwing in a team act changes everything. But at the same time, having a culture, a strong culture that everyone buys into is clearly important to helping a team Stay competitive. And if there's one thing we can say about the 2023 Orlando Magic, it's that they are bought in to what their coach is selling. They are bought in to Jamal Mosley and and his motivational tactics and the way that he keeps everyone engaged and focused on their big picture and focused on their development and growth. And look, just like Doc Rivers, he has to prove himself as a tactician. He has to prove himself as a game manager or someone who can make adjustments, who can you know, pick something out and, and find the right lever to pull uh, in the playoffs. 
there's still a lot to work out. No one's kind of denying that. No one's changing that. Um, but, but, uh, uh, the culture is still a really important base for this team to grow from. Um, you know, the magic finishing the season the way they did, you know, going 29 and 28 after the five and 20 start, that is a sign of buy-in to me. Yes. There's still a talent deficit. There's still a talent gap that, you know, maybe they filled in a little bit with their offseason moves. Maybe they'll fill in a little bit with experience. Maybe they'll fill in a little bit with Paolo Vancaro taking the step into stardom uh, or Franz Wagner taking the step into stardom or someone else, or even Markel Fultz taking a step into stardom. Um, there are ways for this team to grow and develop and, and, and kind of fill in some of that. But at the end of the day, what is the basis of this team is this team's belief in each other, the belief in themselves and the belief in each other. And that can clearly go a long way. That can clearly take a team a long, long way. And so for a Magic team that is trying to peek its head above water and peek its head in the playoffs, yes, the star is important. It is. So is crafting this identity. So is crafting this culture that the team can use and lean on to take that next step, to grow in the right direction. And that's where the Magic are really at right now. There's one more team to go over and what elements from the 2006 Orlando Magic teach us about finishing strong and and really establishing that culture once again. We'll get to that coming up here in just a moment. So the path of Dwight Howard's path was not Shaquille O'Neal's path. He wasn't instantly the best player on the team and instantly uh, an overnight sensation in the NBA. That's that's the truth. It took Dwight a little while, and and, and some of that is he was an 18 year old. Um, you know, he didn't make the All Star team until his third or fourth. I think it was his fourth season in the league. The 2007 season uh, was his first year in the All Star game. We all knew Dwight Howard was something special, but he needed time to grow up a little bit. Um, he wasn't as physically ready for the NBA as, as you know you as you'd expect from a high schooler. Um, and the Magic really narrowed his role and said, hey, focus on rebounding, focus on defending, focus on putbacks. We're, we're not going to go crazy on the offense early on in his career. Maybe that was a mistake. Maybe that wasn't. But Orlando, when they made the Dwight, when they made the Trace McGrady trade, didn't make a trade to rebuild. They made a trade to reload. They acquired Steve Francis. They acquired Katino Mobley. They acquired Kelvin Cato and really, really tried to remain competitive. Um, to, to stay in the playoffs and won 36 games in, in his first season. And the second season, though, it was clear things were kind of falling apart. Um, you know, C. Francis did not react warmly to the Catino Mobley trade. You know, Grant Hill was still in and out of the lineup. Um, you know, I think in 2005, in 2005 um, the Magic had a, a late season injury to Hito Turkoglu uh, that cost them big that that kind of took them out of playoff contention because they because they just or there was a late season injury to Grand Hill and Hito Turkle, I think, that took them out of contention. The 2006 season, the Magic were just kind of scuttling around. And it just became very, very clear it was time to turn the keys over to the young kids. Uh, and so they moved Francis out of town. 
They they brought in Darko Milicic. They, they still kind of took a, a second draft risk on a guy like Milicic. But really the key to that season was they handed the keys over to Jameer Nelson and Dwight Howard. They let those guys run the show. And while Orlando still went 36 and 46 that season, the season ended on a much brighter note. In fact, I would argue there's a lot of comparisons to be made between the 2016 and last year's team. Um, they went 17 and 13 after the All-Star break. Dwight Howard averaged 16.3 points per game and 12.2 rebounds per game during that run. Um, Jameer Nelson averaged 14.6 points per game for the season, upped it to 15.8 points per game and 5.6 assists per game after the All-Star break um, during that run. They established themselves as one of the best defensive teams in the league with Brian Hill as the head coach. Um, they they really developed who they were going to be. And even though they finished with the same record, they were still in the playoff hunt to the last week of the season. It was a, a late season Chicago win over Miami on the Sunday on a Sunday before they came to Orlando uh, that officially eliminated them from the playoffs. Um, you know, Orlando, I think, lost their last two games to that season. So they they could have easily been a 38-win team, which sounds a lot better. Um, very, very similar to this year's Magic team, where they 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 started off behind the eight ball. Orlando went five and twenty early, and then they slowly kind of found themselves as a young team and put themselves in a position to to maybe sneak in the playoffs if things broke the right way. There's maybe a little of run those uh, a hole that was too deep to dig themselves out of. That Magic team carved its identity. They were a defensive team. Brian Hill's teams with Orlando were very good defensively. You could kind of see that where this team was going to make its money when they got good. And obviously it was still a few years down the road and, and there were a few key injuries and a few key acquisitions made in the meantime. But the idea with under Brian Hill was slow the pace down, work the ball to Dwight, be really good defensively. And that's what the Magic were in those years. And that got them on the doorstep of the playoffs in 2006 and then finally into the playoffs in 2007. I believe Orlando went either 41 and 41 or 42 and 40 that season. But everyone pointed to the momentum they built at the end of the 2006 season as the reason they were able to punch their way through. Um, and again, it, like every young team, it was a journey. It was, it was ups and downs, just a lot. There's a lot of similarities between, between those two teams. That team established its identity on defense, just like the 2023 team established its identity on defense, finishing sixth in the league in defensive rating after December 7th, after the 520 start, um, and finishing, I think they were 12th or 13th overall uh, it, it, for the season. Orlando, this Orlando team not only has a culture, they have the star, but they began to establish their way to win, as, as Steve Clifford often put it, establish their identity and their process to get over the hump, to get victories. And that is just so essential to what the Magic are trying to do. Um, that is just a big piece of this story. The elements to make, the elements of a team that is on the verge of making a long playoff run, at least in Magic history, are all present for this Magic team. We are optimistic about this Magic team because we see the growth. We see the growth potential. We see what they built. We see what they're becoming. We see what they want to do. We see it all. And this team, indeed, feels like it is on the verge of such a long playoff run, of such a, a, a big moment of growth. 
This is what a team on the precipice of a long playoff run looks like. What we saw last year very much felt like the beginnings of something special. And what we will see this year is hopefully a team that puts all those pieces together. Now, like I said, it is not guaranteed. I'm not sitting here saying the Magic are 100% going to the playoffs. We expect them to be in the postseason. We expect them to be in postseason contention. We expect them to grow from last year. That's what you expect from young teams. You don't want setbacks in a young team's growth because that's, that's where the problems begin in a rebuild. But every element that we've seen in Magic history that sets up a team for an era, for a successful run, we see that in the 2023 Magic. And we hope to see that again in the 2024 Magic. I want to thank you all again for listening to today's episode of Locked on Magic. Of course, find me on Twitter at philiprr underscore omd. Subscribe to the podcast and Apple Podcasts. If you're tuning in, Himley, Google Play, Spotify, Odyssey, and all of them based on all podcasts to your podcast enable listening device to lay something on Orlando Magic. Be sure to check out orlandomagicdaily.com. You can follow us on Twitter at omagicdaily. If you really enjoyed my podcast last week with Fazlan Amer, where we dove into the Orlando Magic's playbook, Head to my Patreon page, Orlando Magic Hub, um, to check out a video around noon on Monday, chatting about the basics of the Orlando Magic's offense and defense. Uh, some fun stuff, fun stuff there. As I dove into some of the plays that Fazon mentioned in that podcast, if you want to go back and watch it, um, talk a little bit about what the Magic are trying to do and and who the Magic are trying to be. Um, if if we're start, as we start to dive into the playbook, you can check out that. Uh, find the link to my Patreon page on my Twitter bio in my Twitter bio at Philip R underscore OMD. But that's good to do it for me today. I want to thank you all again for listening to today's episode of Locked on Magic. On our next episode of Locked on Magic, we'll go into the five decisions that the Magic face entering next season. So we'll start breaking down some of the things that we'll look forward to in trading camp and beyond. But until then, for Orlando Magic Daily and Locked on Magic, this has been Philip Ross from Mike. We'll see you all again next time for another episode of Locked on Magic.